You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports The Sports Fix today on a Thursday. Tommy's here, Aaron's here, and I am here. And we had news uh, last night. And the news was Anthony Rendon is gone. You predicted it. You were the first to say, think that Strasburg will be back and probably not on Anthony Rendon. So why isn't Anthony Rendon back, Tommy? Well, according to the reports that came out of the winter meetings in San Diego, that uh, whatever offers that were made by the Nationals, including the typical learners' deferred money uh, offers, and, and supposedly Rendon didn't want any part of that, the offer... That he that he agreed to in in uh, with the Angels has no deferred money. It's the full amount uh, whatsoever. Now the deferred money was fine for Scherzer. He was okay with it. Strasburg was okay with it. And then they tried to pitch this angle that Strasburg's deferred money would give them a chance to sign Anthony Rendon. I knew that was just that was just a Boris fairy tale. Uh, you know about you know that. Strasburg being the great teammate was was going to get Anthony Rendon to sign there, but uh, he's gone. And really, what the Nationals did is they chose a 31 year old pitcher with Tommy John uh, surgery history over a 29 year old, probably the second best third baseman in baseball, about to enter his prime. That's what they did. Yeah, Barry Zverluga mentioned to me this morning, you know, he had the the report in September of, of what the Nats had offered right. Rendon. $215 million Between with 210 215 for seven years with the, the deferred money not matching the level of deferred right. money for Harper. Right. More like the deferred money for, for Scherzer, Scherzer and it, what we presume to be the deferred money for Strasburg. But he said that he always felt like um, Anthony Rendon had one foot out the door while Strasburg always had one foot in the door. And I, I don't know that anybody in Barry wasn't necessarily able to explain specifically why other than maybe the, the, you know, contract structure, which, you know, according to Zuckerman was a problem for Rendon. Um, but I, I, I do wonder why, you know, Anthony Rendon may have been, you know, sort of predisposed in his own mind to leaving Washington. You had mentioned to me, and I, I referred to this yesterday, I think on the radio show, maybe it was on the podcast. You said to me, I don't know, it was a year ago, it was before the baseball season, you said Anthony Rendon's a person that doesn't like change. He doesn't like to be the center of attention. And by the way, signing with the Angels with another major superstar on the team, and as Aaron pointed out, the second most important baseball team, even in the the city, that he is going to be very much sort of in the background, even though he gets the big money. He's not going to – the expectations and the the spotlight – aren't going to be super uh, bright and, and uh, super high. So, But you said to me he's a guy that doesn't love change and that he's sort of a creature of comfort and that you know that, that may work in the Nats' favor, that he won't want to leave this situation that he's become very comfortable in. But ultimately, why did he leave? Before we get to this, the structure of the contract, because maybe – if they had offered him an Arenado-style deal money-wise with not you know, significant or with no deferred money, maybe he would have stayed. But do you think it was more than just the money or the contract structure? You know, uh, I mean, it's, it's just so speculative at, at this point. His best friend on the team that since he's been here was Daniel Murphy. And he saw Murphy go from New York to Washington to Colorado. 
So he's seen his best friend move around. He realized that that that's the way that's the business of baseball. It's not the end of the world, and when, when you move from one team to another, I'm sure uh, he probably took some advice from Daniel Murphy in that sense. Uh, but uh, you know, Rendon is is such a strange cat. The Nationals did all they could to try to connect him to the community by making him the designated player to be on the board of directors for the uh, youth academy and figured that, you know, maybe, you know, like making him part of that community effort would give him more ties. But he just, he just, he's always been a distant kind of player. I mean, you know, he's come out and said he doesn't want to play more than five or six years, even though he just signed a seven-year deal. Uh, So he's... He's a different kind of cat who, uh, you know, when, when when you talk to him, he's great to talk to, but he doesn't like to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. You know, in, 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 in that sense. Now, here's the other thing. Is this a deciding factor? No, I'm sure absolutely not. But if I were the Angels and I were selling Anthony Rendon, Anthony Rendon is a devout Christian. He did a, a, an interview with, with a minister earlier this year that said he wants to be known as more of a Christian than a ball player. So it's very important to him. This was his connection with Murphy, both devout Christians. Well, he's going he's going to one of the Christian capitals of the world, Orange County. And oh, it is. I mean, this is where the mega churches were built. That's where the crystal, the Robert Shore hour of power came from. It's also a very conservative county. Yes, but it's very <clears throat> I mean, this is this is where the mega churches were born mm-hmm. in Orange County. And I'm I'm sure, you know, it, it didn't hurt if you're the angels to sell him on that. But ultimately it was probably the money. I mean, it, it was probably the money. But but I mean, are you surprised that it was the Angels and not the Rangers? Like somewhere yes, closer I am. to home? Yeah, I am, because I thought I thought the Rangers had a I mean, it turns out that you know, Artie Moreno uh, went to the, uh, you know, at, at the end, at the winter meetings, the owner of the Angels really wanting Anthony Rendon, really wanting to make the move for him. I didn't expect that. Uh, I'd say if it wasn't for him, the Rangers probably would have been the front runner. Now, I might want to point out that the Nationals had 2,999 days to sign Anthony Rendon without anybody else competing with that. Right. So do you give do you, do you, how much heat do you do you give the learners for A not lot. getting this done? A lot. I mean, you know, the minute Bryce Harper uh, signed with Philadelphia, mm-hmm. the next day they should have signed Anthony Rendon. They weren't aggressive enough. No. They when they when there was no Angels to talk to him, no Rangers to talk to him. They 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 just they just, you know, treated it like a typical learner's negotiation. And people will say, well, you know, I mean, look, even Rizzo had some questions about investing a lot of money in Rendon. I know in spring training, uh, I had heard that Rendon wanted Jose Altuve money and and the Nationals and and the front office balked at that. But, I mean, at that, once Harper left, there was more to signing Rendon than just whether or not he was worth the money. You knew he wasn't going to be a bust. He had played long enough and had performed well enough, particularly in the year before, where you knew your money wouldn't be wasted. I mean, you might be paying more than you think you should for, at the time, maybe 25 home runs and 100 RBIs 
and maybe a 290 average. But he wasn't going to be a bust, okay? The Nationals overpaid a ridiculous amount of money to bring Jason Worth to Washington for reasons other than baseball. I mean, that the whole point of the Worth signing was a signal to the rest of the, of, of the, uh, the industry that we're serious <clears throat> right. about winning. So they've done it before. They've overspent money before on a player for reasons other than baseball. They needed to do that again with Rendon. Now, the, you know, the Nationals, uh, two of their three number one picks from 2009-2011 have walked away. Bryce Harper and Anthony Rendon. I think I think the learners, you know, made a mistake. Their their payroll is high. They spend money, but you know they had an opportunity to bring back the team that was arguably the best team in baseball uh, from the end of May on last year. Well, it was yeah, and and then and and like I pointed out, a chance to build something here that would make the Washington Nationals the premier franchise. In, in all baseball, not the Yankees, not the Dodgers, not the Red Sox. I mean, you know, what's better than one World Series? Two World Series. Why not three World Series? You know, why not? Why not think bigger? Why not think about we have an opportunity here. We have right now a great baseball team that's together, and we have a chance to bring them back next year. And, and without a 19-31 and 31 start maybe this mm-hmm. time. So I just think that, again, it's a lack of vision. It's always a lack of vision when, when it comes to these people. It's a bottom line mentality and a lack of being and a lack of boldness and vision. You know, as you were talking, um, I was thinking <coughs> that, A, I agree with you um, that, you know, th- that they should have been more bold. They should have had more vision and they could have gotten a deal that was probably favorable for them that would look great today. Yes. You know, um, in similar fashion, I'm not making an apples to apples comparison with Kirk <laughs> Cousins. All right. I'm not doing that. Rendon's a superstar and it is a champion. I understand that. But it's the same lack of vision the Redskins had with Cousins. They could have gotten him on the cheap, essentially. You know, and it would have looked really good down the road. But as you were talking um, about the learners, you know, it occurred to me that these are people who, first of all, are very financially disciplined and they've got a philosophy financially. And when it comes to operating this team, they've had a, a philosophy financially. And the worst time to tell someone like that to think differently is right after they've won yes. it all. Yes, okay? it is. So they're not going to all of a sudden change the way they do business after winning the whole World Series. In fact, there's probably something in them that says, we'll show them again. No Harper last year, no Rendon this year. This is the way we do business, and we'll figure it out, and we'll win it again next year. I'm you sure, watch us. I'm sure there probably so is. There's but probably do you agree bit, with me yes. that, that is, that's the moment where you need to 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 step on the gas even more definitely when when you're leading the race but people who are conservative you know financially and very disciplined it's hard to shake them from their spot especially when they're having success and they've had success you know in business they've had success in baseball and now they're a champion in baseball so you're not going to get them off their game the only thing that i would say is first of all they should have had the vision and should have seen it earlier 
yes. and done something about it. But when you have that kind of financial philosophy and discipline, um, you know, you can coming off a unique circumstance, a unique win, which is the World Series, which with it brings increased revenue, unexpected increased revenue, unexpected increased valuation in your franchise value, um, that maybe then you can just come off your mark a little bit and say, you know what, let's go for it again. And this guy's crucial to it. And so maybe we do veer off the path here that we've always stuck to because we just did something that was utterly unique, for totally unique for us, which is win the whole thing in baseball. And it and we can justify it because look at what we're projecting in revenue because of increased attendance and increased television stuff. And I know there's a whole mass and mess still going on. Um, and then but our, they're going to get their money at some point. So in the value of the franchise, franchise, even though we never intend to sell it, it's going to be in the family for decades and generations to come. The value of the franchise is going to go up. Um, maybe we, we, we change for this specific person because you know what? We do know who this person is. He's our own. He's yes. a great player. He's a star player. He's a clutch player. He's a low maintenance player. He's a great teammate. He's a beloved player that just went through a month along with Strasburg, that as we talked about the other day, matches maybe only Riggins in January of 83 in terms of postseason all-time performances. And maybe, you know, this is the one we we veer off our our normal track for. But I don't think that clearly there's also in there a little bit of a defiance. You know, like we proved it to you that we could do it by not you know, by structuring the deals that we want them structured, and if the players don't like it, we'll win without them. We won without Harper. We can win without Rendon. I do. I would like to understand more about the structure of these deals because um, it, it was made. Um, uh, it, I was told yesterday, maybe or maybe this morning, that there is interest payments involved in this in this deferred money. I'd love to know what that interest rate is because you can do the math on this, and I'm not suggesting that Boris and Rendon don't do the math on this. Clearly, the deferred contract structure is not as appealing as a structure that doesn't have deferred money. That's obvious to anybody. Basically, you're not getting the value of that money today and the value of that money working for you for the next many years. Right. It's working for them because they're holding on to it, and they're not paying you for another 10, 15 years or whatever it is. And in Harper's case, you know, it was reported that the last payment of the deferred money was in 2052. Yeah. Which I can understand that that would be a bit of an off-putting way to present a deal if some if if you want to feel truly wanted. Right. It's now, it, that's <clears throat> not the kind of deal that's going to convince somebody that 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 they should stay. Right. Now the Strasburg, you know, he didn't have a problem with it, but remember he didn't have a problem in 2017 or 2016 signing a deal that was much under market value right. according to most. Right. He wants to be here. Yes. You know, so they were going to have to come up with something different. We're going to find out um by the way I would think at some point and Barry didn't have that information. If they ever came back and upped their offer from the September offer of 215 million over 7 years, I would assume that after what he did in October that that offer went up some if they had a, a new offer that it went up it went up at some level call it I 10 would, million I wouldn't assume that you if wouldn't I were you. No. Okay. Well, because if you just said they came back and they offered 225 for 7, you're talking about in real dollars before you get to the deferred if it was a true 7-year 225 
the difference of three million a year between that and the Angels offer. I know, and that's where you get you're like, really? Yeah. But again, it's not you know that's not the way to compare it because the Nats offer would have had significant deferred money. Right. Um, so I, he's going to be he's going to be missed. You know, I I think Har- I know that people think they won the World Series because Harper wasn't here. I don't really understand that that uh, mindset. Maybe it's true. Maybe the lot, the clubhouse was different. Maybe it lent itself to a more, you know, uh, winning environment without Harper there. I don't, I don't get that. I think Harper was a great player, and by the way, turned out to have a pretty damn good year in his first year in Philadelphia. Um, but um, they had they had Robles in, in Soto there. You know, they had sort of an answer. They don't really have an answer here, unless of course they're going to do what everybody thinks they're going to do, and that is go out and pay a thirty-four-year-old a hundred million over four years, right? In Donaldson, and you don't know how he's going to fit into right. your clubhouse. He's apparently a different character. Yeah, yeah. So you don't know how he's going to fit in to a remarkable. I mean, the, the best chemistry that Nationals team has ever had at, at this point. Right. Why? That's how. Why Howie Kendrick? One of the reasons Howie Kendrick wanted to come back, right? Because he recognized that this was something unique and something special that you can't necessarily replicate anyplace else. Uh, again, you know, the time to sign the time to sign Rendon was before he went to free agency. At, at any point, they could have done that. They knew what kind of player he was. Uh, you know, he, he capitalized on an MVP caliber season. But even before that, he, he was a terrific player. And again, they knew their money wouldn't be wasted. They might overspend. They might pay. They might have paid him more than they thought he was worth, but their money would not have been wasted at, at, at that point. So, uh, so you know, now we now we move on, and uh, yeah, we, how, we're not moving on yet because well, because we got to see how the Nationals be, because respond we, ju- to we this. just have to like we got to remember what this dude did. Over the month of October, oh, I know. He and, had and 33 hits. He for, had 328. He had three home runs and 15 RBIs. He had a home run in the eighth that cut it to three to two before Soto's home run in Game Five against the Dodgers. He had the home run against Granky that basically led AJ Hinch to believing that Granky was just about yes. done, which may have been the key yeah. to them winning that game. God, did he deliver! Yeah. He, you and, could and, argue and they don't. In, they don't win the World Series without Rendon. He delivered in such a way that I don't know. It's appealing to me in the same way Kawhi Leonard's appealing to me. It's like there's no, there's no look at me. There's no self-absorption. There's there's no you know craziness on on social media. You knew what you had in him. You had a first class, clutch performing player who. Right, is entering his prime at yes. this point. He's 29 years yeah. old. He's entering his prime, and there's a certain level of arrogance to think that you can just go out and replicate this by getting another player. <laughs> yeah, but try to tell them they're being arrogant right after they won the World Series. I know, I know. And they can point to all of these, you know, massive real estate, you know, uh, properties and and developments and communities that they own, which is why their real estate business they are the richest owners, according yes. to reports in all of baseball. Yeah, and and, and for how people many bi- how many billion are they worth? What 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 level of billions? I don't know. I don't know. Why I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either. It's it's billions. <laughs> I know. It's probably five at least. I'm going to look that up. I, I remember reading this recently. Um, you know, maybe Rendon also just likes a more laid back lifestyle. Like I was thinking about the whole. You know, you mentioned you know Southern California and the the Christian thing in Orange County, but 
man, when you live in Southern California, in Orange County, you're playing in Anaheim, and you can go, you know, and, and hang out at Newport Beach or Laguna Beach and some of those places that are like 20 minutes away, 30 minutes away. What's wrong? What's oh, wrong with uh, what's wrong with Dewey Beach? <laughs> Nothing's huh? wrong with Dewey Beach. Nothing's wrong with Bethany Beach um, at all. But maybe, you know, the, uh, maybe the lifestyle, you know, something, you know, that fits his certainly what we see outwardly this personality of total laid back calm you know easy going you know you know what's maybe interesting. he didn't like the rat race and, and the real difficult media market that is washington dc he's not That's crazy sarcasm. he's not crazy about that but uh what's interesting is uh last spring when he met with reporters uh rendon basically went out of his way to say boris works for me Okay. Remember that? Yes. yes. Yeah, I and, forgot that And quote. again, I think that the not no deferred money was strictly a Rendon thing because Boris is used to working with the learners. He's done it on already. deferred money. Yeah. I mean, right. well, did Harper basically tell Boris the thing about the the no, Harper well, the deal Harper deferred is, money was, yeah. But but again, the Harford deferred money was not as uh, was not the figure that everybody reported. That's what you've said. Well, it's true. Okay. I mean, it wasn't yeah. hundred eighty million dollars. But it was much dollars. different than the Strasburg, Scherzer, and Rendon deferred money. Yes, it was longer. It was it was it was so much deferred money and so out in the future that it was almost an offer that he couldn't accept. Well, all the, all I know is the present, according to the players' union formula. formula the present day value of that deal was two hundred and sixty seven million dollars. Right, which is w- which, which, which is which is about three million short of the Phillies offer. Right. But also right? about eighty million dollars more than what uh Boris's media minions reported. Okay. When they reported it was hundred and eighty million dollars present day no, value. We're we're parsing millions of dollars here. Well no, that's 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 <laughs> eighty million dollars. Uh so there was no, a no, big no, two sixty seven and three thirty. Three thirty no, I'm saying two sixty seven and one eighty. Oh, I, I I was comparing it to the Phillies, and offer. I'm comparing it to what was I initially you. reported I got you. I got you. by 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 Boris and, and his media uh, army. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, they reported I, I found the that, value was 180 million. It was uh, who was it that reported the 180? Um, it was Verducci. Yeah, that it was uh, basically came out to 184 million, and, and dollar that's deal. not true. It was right. 267 million. Yeah. Okay. Goodbye, still, Anthony Rendon. Still not, a move, still not a move to convince a guy to stay. No. No, no matter what you say. And, again, the, you know, the, I mean, the, this there, there's a level of arrogance at play here. Instead of having the vision to say, you know, it's, it's, like, it's like being in the strip club and you finally get in the VIP room. <laughs> oh, God, don't do that. It's and, expensive. And, 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 and now you got to figure out how to stay in the VIP room. No, you, no, you, no, no, no. The VIP room's a trap. you got to figure out stay how away. to stay there. You, you've been trying to get in. You finally got the VIP room. Now what are you going to do to stay? Stay away from the VIP, uh, a.k.a. the Champagne Lounge. Stay away from it. It's a trap. All right. Um, when we uh, when we come back, like like I'm breaking yeah, the radio, um, after this read, we're going to talk a little Bill Callahan and what he said yesterday about Dwayne Haskins and Josh Norman. But first, a quick word about mybookie.ag. It's an exciting time for sports. you got Thursday Night Football. Aaron and I gave you out two free winners yesterday, didn't we? Aaron, Illinois, Rutgers. Mm -hmm. 
We did give those out on the podcast, right? Yeah, we definitely mentioned them. Um, they were uh, they were odd looking point spreads, like the Maryland uh, Penn State line was the night before. Rutgers won outright, uh, beating Wisconsin last night as a favorite, and Illinois won outright, beating Michigan uh, as a one and a half point favorite. I don't have anything for you tonight. I've already looked at the college basketball board. There really aren't any games. Iowa State plays Iowa. Um, and I don't like the – I'll tell you right now in the smell test, no pick tonight, although that line for the Jet-Raven uh, game keeps going up. It's 16-and-a-half now. Jackson's going to play, it You know like. what it almost is? It's almost the line that the Baltimore Colts had over the New York Jets in the Super Bowl. 17, right? Yeah. I think it was 17. I think it was 17 points. Maybe 19. No, it wasn't neither 19. It might have been eighteen. It was seven. But, but it was seventeen, and then the Chiefs, I think, were thirteen and a half or fourteen. Yeah. Or the Vikings were the next year over the Chiefs. Yeah, and then the so, Chiefs also won. So that that's a Baltimore line that's close to the Super Bowl line. There you go. Uh, so it is an exciting time of the year, the holiday time, all the football, all sports going on. Great time. Um, if you're looking to get into wagering, be careful. Tread lightly. Um, But if you don't have a place to play, check out mybookie.ag. If you join right now, mybookie will match your deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. You have to use my promo code to uh, qualify for that. My promo code is KevinDC, K-E-V-I-N-D-C, promo code KevinDC at (laughs) mybookie.ag. Kevin, you know, I I was just talking about, you know, the VIP room at a strip club. Which I'm unfamiliar with. I've heard about it. I've told you stories about (laughs) it because I've heard stories about it. You know, and uh, at the time I was talking about it, uh, I get a call on my cell phone from Russia. (laughs) Now, I've heard... I've heard that there's a yeah. lot of Eastern European I women know, in I, these clubs. I wouldn't know about that. I, I don't. I don't know that either. I'm I wouldn't kinda, know about that. I'm kind of <clears throat> surprised about that. Uh, but it, it's it's a unique uh, coincidence that I get a call from Russia. Yeah. When when, when, I, when I'm discussing. Have you been that. to Russia? No, I've never oh, been I to thought, Russia. I thought you t- you've told me before. Have you been. been to Russia? I haven't. I'd actually like to go. I've heard it's fantastic. I have no desire Beautiful. to go. Why? Well, because I don't care. You don't care. <laughs> That's do you care? But you care about traveling. You like to travel. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I don't. Why would I want to go to Russia? Uh, because I've heard it's spectacular and beautiful and the whole thing. I, 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 I haven't been to any of the Eastern Bloc. I've been to Berlin, but I have not been. Actually, to Actually, I'd Eastern like to go Bloc. to Prague because I hear Prague is supposed to be the the hot city. Heard Prague's great too. Yeah. So that's that's pretty much it. Other yeah. than that, uh, I have I have no All particular right. interest. Is there a place that you'd like to go other than Prague? What's on your travel list? Well, I want to go to Ireland. I've never been to Ireland. I haven't either. I want to go. Okay, so I, I want to go to Ireland. Uh, I'd like to go to Alaska. I've never been to Alaska. Not another country, I realize. Right. <laughs> yeah, thanks, <laughs> Lefty Drizel. I just might want to point that out. Not another country. Uh, but, but you uh, can see Russia from Alaska, Tommy. Yes, yes, you can. <laughs> yeah, yes, you can. Other than that, you know, I'm curious about Africa uh, because I really do think that over the next 20 to 30 years that uh, there's going to be tremendous opportunities in Africa, I mean, in terms of growth and change. But as far as traveling, I've been to Australia. I've been to Italy. I'd like to go back to Cuba I've been to South. I mean, my job took me to a lot of places. Yeah, you know, I was very lucky. Uh, Ireland is now on the top of my list. There you go. 
Uh, that's at that's at the top of my list too. I I'm going to do with my three sons at some point in the very near future. We're going to do you know sort of a an Ireland and maybe a Scotland combined golf trip. You know where we that sounds great. I think that's what we're going to do. Um, it's, it's and I I haven't been to Ireland either. So I'm when are you going to do it? And I'd also like to go to Newport Beach, which is not out of this country. But after talking about Orange County and thinking about Newport Beach and how beautiful it is, it'd be great to get out there for a few days when so, it gets cold here. So when are you going to do this trip? <clears throat> Uh, you know, you got you got to stop talking about it. You're right about that, and we've talked about it and talked about it as a family, and we're going to do it. Maybe this coming summer, if not the following summer, for sure. The problem it's a it's always a problem is now my oldest. You know, he's not in school; he's out working. He's got a job. It's I tough for him that, to but, take but a week and a half off. But he'll figure a out off. a way. It's tough for me to take a week and a half off, but not in the summer. Um, we can do that. All right. Um, so yesterday, Bill Callahan, my guy, <clears throat> Bill, yeah, my but, man. Bill Callahan had, oh my God, Tommy, this press conference yesterday was 14 minutes long. I've told people this before, and somebody asked me, well, how do you know? Well, because all of these press conferences are available to all of you. You know, some of you have said, how do you listen? You're not out there, right? And I'm, no, they're all online. Go to redskins.com. Go to, you know, eagles.com. They put all of their press conferences up there for you to watch. And if you go through a bunch of NFL sites and look at the Wednesday press conferences from the coaches, you'll see most of them average six, seven minutes, eight minutes tops. He's got him at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 minutes. Well, that's, if, being a member <clears throat> of the media, you would you would you should welcome that. Uh, well, he gives you more content. There you that's go. That's true. Um, there you go. He, he's just trying to explain things. He, he does take some time <laughs> explaining things. So there were two things um, yesterday that he talked about that were interesting to me. Number one was um, his comments about uh, Dwayne Haskins, which we'll get to in a moment. And then number two, and you missed the conversation yesterday that I had with Aaron and all, uh, all everybody that, uh, that listened to the podcast yesterday um, about Josh Norman and how, you know, he continues to be active, even though on Sunday he didn't, it's second straight week, he didn't, wasn't out there for one snap, special teams or defense, and was only one of two players who wasn't on the field for a snap in the game. Um, I'll start there and I'll come back to Haskins in a moment because the Haskins conversation may require many of you demanded an apology from me on Monday. I may actually demand an apology from you on what on what uh, Callahan said about Haskins. You know, some of you may <clears throat> have to cover your ears for this one. You may have to. So Josh Norman, Tommy, um, has not played a snap the last two games. On Sunday, he was one of only two players that didn't play a snap. The other one was Case Keenum although many of the people out there think the Case Keenum should have been in the game. Um, he has in his contract a $500,000 annual bonus, which gets divvied up into 16 weeks, $31,250 a week, for being on the active 46-man roster. Last week against Carolina, this guy Chris Odom, remember him, number 50, played really well after being signed off the scrap heap earlier in the week. Yes. And he was down, fully healthy. He was a a healthy Healthy scratch. scratch. And yet Josh Norman was up for the game. And, you know, Galdi was actually talking about it yesterday morning as I was on my way in, and I, I thought, wow. And it's it had me thinking about a lot of things, which I'll get to with you in a moment. I don't want to be repetitive from yesterday's show, but I do want to have that conversation briefly with Tommy. But it is insane. 
if you have no intention of playing Josh Norman, to have him up and active when you've got a guy in Chris Odom that played really well that you may want to see more of. I mean, all of these young players should be getting these minutes. You've already decided that Josh Norman's not going to play for you. You had injured players on Saturday at the corner position. Moreau went out, came back in, Dunbar was hurt, and he still did not go into the game. Didn't play one snap in the game. I think if they had lost another corner, Case Keenum may have gone into the game (laughs) to play corner before Josh Norman. And so yesterday, once again, Callahan was asked about Norman being inactive in the game. And these were among his shorter answers on why Josh Norman remains active. Quote, he's in some different packages and he's still up and in a role where we could potentially play. So that's his role as it stands right now. Shortest answer of the entire press conference by miles. Then he's asked a little bit later on, I think it was by Ben Standig, as a follow-up on Josh Norman. Uh, Basically, but, you know, he wasn't, you know, you had injured players and he still didn't play a snap. And he said, and then then Ben followed up again and said, what does he need to do to get back onto the field? Just to, and Callahan said, quote, just continue to work and be himself. Improve on all aspects of his game. As we are, we are looking for a few more players. Danny Johnson's come up. They just brought him up. He came up out of the pup, and we put him up this week. So Danny will be up, and we're looking at him, and Colvin's getting a little bit more of a look. So we're looking at all these DBs because of where we're at late in the year, and we're just trying to get a little bit more evaluation of the younger players. Closed quote. Really didn't answer the question because he doesn't have an answer for the question. Because in my particular opinion, it's not his decision. It's not his call. Even though, remember, he demanded roster control. Somebody is putting Josh Norman and demanding that Josh Norman be active. I think in this, I could I could be completely off, but it makes sense to me that somebody's got him up there because they want him to continue to collect the, these bonuses. And my question is, why? Why would they cave and kowtow and genuflect to Josh Norman while simultaneously trying to bleed figuratively Trent Williams to death. Exactly. Like, exactly. If, if, the, if the idea is to show to players that that you're not you're not gonna hurt them, that you're you're gonna support them, that ship has sailed with Trent Williams. It's so ridiculous. I I don't and so when you know, I heard the. I just gave you the quotes from the answers yesterday. Callahan, I guarantee you, if he's active again on Sunday, maybe the pressure and the questioning of this is going to make the Redskins reconsider on Sunday. But if he's up again and doesn't play a snap, and you've got younger players healthy that are down, well, then I mean, we've already seen it two weeks in a row, so you have to question already, right? Why they've done that. Um, and maybe you know, maybe he'll be down this week. Maybe they'll feel the pressure of some of these questions and say, "Oh, it becomes too obvious that we're trying to get Josh some of this extra money." It's just—it's stupid. It's so them. It's so—and I—and I said yesterday, and I'll—and I'll shorten it because many of you have already heard it and you listened to it yesterday, and you—you you agreed with me, most of you. It just made me think about what they are as an organization, about how. You know, they tend to focus on things that don't help winning. 
you know, and I went through all of their community involvement, all of their charitable, you know, causes. You know, we know because we worked for the station that was owned by Dan Snyder, how important a lot of these charity events and how important, how often we got asked to go to an event with Ryan Kerrigan or with somebody else. Right. And this is what they really, you know, lived for, these things, the community things. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I made that very clear yesterday. It's all to be applauded and admired. But it's always been the most important thing for the owner. You know, Ryan Kerrigan should have been traded. But Ryan Kerrigan is a true Redskin. Yeah. You know, in Dan's eyes, this is a guy that's been a true Redskin, even though his record as a Redskin, it, you know, is 56-86-1. That's the team's record since Ryan Kerrigan's been here with zero playoff wins. And But that's important to them, and they've, they're already beginning to make plans for his Ring of Fame induction. And I mentioned yesterday, let's hope they do, don't do a London Flector, you know, with <laughs> Kerrigan and they spell his name correctly. But it's always been so important to them. And, and many of people said, did you take it too far there? I think maybe part of my perspective comes from knowing and in, 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 in dealing with, with them. These are the things that matter. It's what Doc always said. You know, it basically comes from Doc's theory about the Redskins, that nobody does Monday through Saturday better than the Redskins. <laughs> it's game days that have always been the challenge. And part of it is that the owner... He doesn't know anything about football. He doesn't know how to win in this sport. So these other things that, you know, he believes fans are relating to, like holding up Chris Samuels and all of these former players, and Ryan Kerrigan's going to be the next one, and, you know, taking care of Josh Norman, you know, and doing right by Josh Norman is somehow... Like meaningful, it's so you not think, so you meaningful. This is to coming. Us. This is coming from the owner. Then you think? Not I don't coming, know. Not coming from Bruce. Could be coming from Bruce. Because uh, that doesn't sound like Bruce, though. Could Bruce be coming is, from Bruce. Bruce is a bottom line guy when it comes to money. Except though. that Josh was his guy. Yeah. You know that was one of those Josh in Deshaun Jackson, and then the Alex Smith trade. Right. You know were the big three. You know different moves for him, and then Landon Collins this year, and maybe he got pressured into that one. But remember, Bruce Allen has made a career here in Washington of underspending for subpar yes. players, getting great contract value on very average to less than average players. That's going to be what I remember. I'm going to remember Bruce Allen for a lot of things, winning off the field, you know, yeah. damn good culture, all of that stuff. But good God, you know, this guy would fit in perfectly with the learners. What do you perfectly. mean? Perfectly. Yes, he would. What do you mean, remember Bruce Allen? You speak of him in the past tense. I might want to point out <laughs> it's Thursday, I know. December 12th, right. in the week that Bruce Allen was going to be jettisoned, and he's still there. In fact, I think I read somewhere he went with Dan to the owner's Yeah, apparently meetings. he's there. So this doesn't sound like a guy. Oh, God, you, you're hoping for it so much. <laughs> There's nothing. Right now, Tommy's number one priority in terms of local sports is for Bruce Allen to remain <laughs> in the same position, if not given more power. Like, wouldn't you love a press release that says, uh, Bruce Allen, uh, He just he's the team president. He's also been given now additional responsibilities in the football operation. He's, he's the new head coach. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That would be a dream he's come true the, for you. He's the new head coach. 
I don't think he's coming back. Well, here he is. He's still here. And I, and I said on the podcast and on the radio show last week, I said keep an eye on this week, meaning right now, right. the week of the league meetings for some news. And Lock and Fora and I think a couple oh, of others yeah. reported the same thing. Um, we're not done with the week yet. No, we're not. <clears throat> we're not. But, you know, maybe coming close to beating the Packers. And I, I warned everybody, if you get a close loss or, God forbid, a win over the Packers, it could change everything oh, that they're absolutely. thinking about. Absolutely. I, look, I still think winning out against three division opponents, well, they got three games left, right? Yeah. All against the yeah. yeah three Eagles, games, Giants, Cowboys. Yeah. Is if the way they it win out up. against three division opponents, that totally changes the conversation. Oh my God! And they could. I mean, can you? They could. Can, they can, they, can, they can beat the Eagles. They can beat the Giants. Imagine, imagine Bruce Allen back, Bill Callahan back. Um, you know, and somehow they're trying to sell that to you for 2020. I mean, I. You, people are locked into season tickets. You would have see season uh, tickets are are are. Uh, you would have nobody there next year. Yeah. Nobody there. I, I know. But you know they outrated um, the Buffalo Baltimore game. Yeah, somewhere. I know. I know. But still, Luckily. but I think there's more about the Packers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, the opponent. But still, I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, we're that we have that we're having this discussion now every week that whose ratings are higher. Is something you never thought would have happened. So, how about the conversation that started yesterday with the Scott Allen story in the Post about you know how some diehard lifelong Redskins fans are now rooting for the Ravens? I'm going to get to the Haskins thing in a moment. Remind me not to forget what Callahan said about Haskins. But how about that whole thing yesterday? Have you did you write a column on it, or were you on radio talking about it? No, I was on radio talking about it with Chad yesterday. I do, I do think that. Uh, there have been a handful of diehard Redskins fans who have who have changed allegiance. I think what you've seen more is a generation of sports fans here that have grown up. The younger fans, I know, but that's not what we're talking. That's not what Scott Allen was writing. I know about. that, and yeah. I'm saying I, I he was I, writing about somebody like me who decided because of their disgust, I'm going to root for the and, Ravens. And now. I'm saying that that's not the biggest problem. The biggest problem are, I, are, are the young I, fans. I agree with you. And, and the new fans moving to the area that decide, well, you know, my team was the Chicago Bears, but, I mean, I'm, I, I live in Washington. I live in PG County now. I live in Montgomery County, and I want to root for the local team. They're going to pick the Ravens because the Ravens are a lot more fun and just as easy to get to. From from any of these places, and a much better live yes. stadium environment. Yeah, so for a football so game. that that's the big concern. Right. The big concern are 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 the new fans. Well, I mean, you should be concerned about the parents who have kids who you know the kids often look to the parents to say, "Who's your team? That's going to be my team." So there is some of that. But I agree with you, of course. I mean, my boys are not massive die. They have no emotional connection to the Redskins. The only connection they have to the Redskins is me. You know, in the time that they would spend with me watching Redskin games, you know, when they were younger, they still care. I got, you know, two of my three boys will watch the games and start to watch the games, but like this year, I know they're, you know, they immediately turned to the rest of the NFL, yeah. you know, the Red Zone channel to watch the other games. You know, they're not they're not sticking with a loser like the Redskins, you know, week in and week out for 3 hours. Look, at the presence and influence of the Ravens are a problem. It's a problem. I mean, you, we can argue how big of a problem it is, 
But but it, it is a problem. And you think the second biggest fan base behind the Redskins in this town, NFL wise, Ravens or Cowboys? Cowboys. I think I do too. But that's been that's been that way. It's probably, I mean, cow- it might be it, it might be that in every single NFL city. Yeah, and and in Washington, the Cowboys have had a strong presence since the, since the early since the George Preston Marshall days, when uh, a lot of African American fans rooted for the Cowboys right. because the Redskins didn't have black players right. and the Cowboys had a lot of them, and 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 so that that that's rooted in some deep deep uh, generations. The, the Cowboys fans' presence here. So, yeah, I still think the Cowboys would be the second biggest, particularly in the city. I think once you get out to Montgomery and PG County, then it changes. More Montgomery County and PG County, but even there. That, that's the bat. That's that's where the the Ravens, the Ravens would love. I, I mean, look, everyone knows. I don't know if everyone knows the stories, but Steve Bishotti and Dan Snyder are not friends. Nope. There, there, there was a confrontation, according to the story, at Steve Bashotti's house that, that was an embarrassing confrontation. Go ahead, tell it. Da- for those I, I don't know it. the details well, of it. What we've all heard, that Bashotti was throwing a big party, right. that Snyder showed up with you know some of his henchmen, whoever they were, and uh, at the front door said, please tell um, uh, Steve that, that Mr. Snyder's here. Yes. Right. Yeah. And Steve Bishotti basically said, "Mr. Schneider, really tell him to go fuck himself." Yeah. <laughs> and he's not invited into the party. That's the story. I have no idea if it's right. true. But but it, it's a story that has a lot I got of legs. That right. Right. Uh, more or less. I think it was a, a reference to the Mr. Schneider reference. Yeah. I don't know if Dan said to Steve Bishotti that you know, my, my, you know, you call me Mr. Snyder right. or, or something like that, which he's done to a lot of people yeah. o- o- over the years. So so the Ravens would love nothing better. Than, than to be able to tweak and bury the Redskins as as much as they could. Right. I mean, and there's certain limits that they can they can't and they can't they there's certain marketing restrictions against them coming into the Redskins market. But every other way they can, they'll push the envelope. Well, you know what's ironic is that like there are a lot of Oriole fans in Washington because we didn't have baseball for all of those years. There are m- m- many less. Okay, it's not comparable to the Oriole fans in D.C. But there are, I hear from them all the time. A lot of them listen to us and have listened to us for years. You know, when the, the when the Colts left in, in 84 on that snowy morning in whatever, March of 84, whenever it was, um, you know, the, the, a lot of people, because the Redskins were at their height, you know, they were winning Super Bowls and they were, it was the Gibbs, you know, it was the Gibbs era. Um, a lot of Baltimore Colt fans, you know, they were so disgusted with what Ursay had done. They they rooted for the Redskins. I think you're overstating. That. I, I said it's not comparable to the Orioles okay. fans here, but there are men. I, I know a lot of them okay. that started to root for them. But it's 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 a fraction of the DC sports fans that adopted the Orioles. Right. Okay. I, I, I I'm making that point, but there are some of them. But um, anyway, uh, I just think personally on the whole issue of you know jumping ship it's okay in this is my opinion it's okay to to watch less to not spend money on the team anymore to not go to games anymore to not care to demand change to become apathetic um i have a hard time believing that if somebody at you know call it 35 years of age or older so they really had an attachment or had the opportunity to be attached to the Redskins that they jump ship for the Ravens or another team i have a hard time believing that that person was a real loyal 
emotionally attached, passionate fan to begin with. There's n- there's zero chance in the way I'm built that I could root for the Ravens as my favorite team or root for the Cowboys or the Eagles or adopt another team. I agree with that. I just, I just couldn't do it. I, I agree with that. I'm yeah. disgusted with the Redskins. Yeah, I, mean, I don't having, like them right now. Having a position that that where you essentially do a personal boycott of the Redskins is not the same thing as changing allegiance and yeah. rooting for you know, in this way, a financial rival more than any other kind of rival. I mean, if you want to make a statement, and I, and I know you scoff at this, but if you want to make a statement and root for a team, go see the XFL. I'm big, I'm really excited about Cardell Jones. Go see, go see the <laughs> XFL defense. They fill that stadium oh, God. Every, for every home game. And ha- what do you mean they fill it? If they, they, haven't, they haven't played a game yet. If they fill oh, that stadium. For for all their home games and they and they represent any kind of, of competitive who owns football. The team? Uh, Vince McMahon, he owns all the teams. Oh, he owns all the teams. Yeah, he owns the league. Yeah. So I mean, I mean that if you want to make a statement on another team, show up at XFL games. That's what I would do if I was a fan. I wouldn't. I wouldn't root for the Ravens if I was a Redskins fan. I wouldn't do that. I would <clears> like. I mean, like when I, you know, I compare it to when I was a Mets fan and they traded Tom Seaver. And I said, that's it. I'm <laughs> out until they sell the team to new owners. But I didn't turn around and root for – I mean, root for the Yankees? You would have had to stuck needles in my eyes yeah. for me to root for the Yankees. Right. Oh, my gosh. And really, the Ravens are not the equivalent. I mean, no. t- the ca- the Ravens are not a rival of the Redskins, okay? Well, just just financially right now. Financially, they're a rival. But, they're but not, not they're football not a, rival. You know. No. No. Um, I want to get to this comment um, about Dwayne Haskins. So, my Bill, man, Bill Callahan, he practiced yesterday. Um, wasn't held Did out he? of practice. Did yeah. he really? The Pro- ankle didn't bother him. No. And um, Callahan said afterwards, he looked great. I think everything he did in individual was seamless. I thought it was really clean. I thought it was flawless. I thought there were no setbacks. I saw fluidity. We moved him in and out of the pocket quite a bit today as well. So if there was any apprehension of possibly not testing it or looking at it deeply, we wouldn't have done what we did. There were a lot of movement actions, a lot of different things we did on him on the perimeter. So no, there was nothing holding him back. He was fully clear. It was just a very mild ankle sprain that he went through Sunday, closed quote. It didn't look like a very mild ankle sprain. I love the way like he's he's essentially laying out we 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 basically did everything on the field today to tell him that we knew there wasn't anything wrong with his ankle <laughs> and that he was overly dramatic on Sunday which he was don't we know that now how about an apology to your boy all of you demanding that i apologize because i accused him of faking an injury i never did that i accused him i suggested didn't accuse him i suggested based on you know personal life experiences occasionally there are people when they're sick or injured they play it up big like i've played a lot of basketball over my life you know how many dudes have missed like a breakaway layup and then all of a sudden they're limping going down on the other end of the court like they were hurt like that's why they missed it Dwayne wasn't playing well he did get an ankle injury we saw it the preston smith landing on the ankle he played it up a little bit during the game he came over, he was cleared. Why was he cleared? Because there wasn't like there was a lot of issues with the with the flexibility, with the movement in the ankle after they tested it. But he was playing it up, playing it up big time. And because of it, man, did he get some people riled up. 
You know, people in the media comparing him to the RG3 situation. How could you do it? What Callahan's doing here is he's mocking you who thought he was seriously hurt and to a certain degree making sure that Dwayne knows, hey, you're fine. We had you going through all this stuff just to prove to you that we know that you're fine. He was fine. But when when you talk about an ankle sprain, mild, you don't say very mild no. ankle sprain. He's trying to make the point. No, that us- he was usually, fine. usually, I think co- I, I think I may have had that one right. I think you did. And and look, more context on that. Not faking, okay? Not faking. Just playing it up a little bit, a little bit dramatic. More context know? on that. Let's not forget the the press conference after the Detroit game, where he was asked about missing the open wide receivers. And instead of standing up there and saying, you know, I, I got to do a better job or there was a miscommunication on my part or something like that, he all of a sudden said, I had a wrist injury. Yeah. You know, and I think that was the first time that Bill Callahan ever heard that 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 Dwight, that Dwayne <clears throat> Haskins had a wrist injury in that game. Now I'm going to take a portion of this show to be um, more positive about Dwayne Haskins because I am. Um, more encouraged and more positive about him than you are, I think, and a lot of other people. Because I'm going to read to you what, what Callahan said when he was asked about what Haskins has progressed in. Uh, you know, how's he improved? Be specific. And it was a long answer. It was like a three-minute answer on this one. So I'm going to read you just a portion of it because I thought this was interesting. Callahan said, quote, Everybody is throwing everything at him. What I like about him is nothing phases him. He's got an unbelievable poise about him. He's got a calm that he recognizes the fact that he's getting heated up or seeing these different pressures and looks. He's just absorbing it, taking it all in, learning, going back to the bench, sitting down with Kevin O'Connell and Tim Rattay, going through it, recognizing what he needs to do better, and then trying to improve the next time around. I like that aspect of him. He's not a repetitive guy, a repetitive mistake player, where you continually see the small mistakes over and over again. He makes a mistake, he recognizes it, he moves on, and you don't see a repetitive error come back into his game. There's been a lot of growth in that respect. Closed quote. You know, so this was part of like a three-minute answer where he was being very positive about Dwayne Haskins. And I it makes me immediately think back to, you know, September and October where, you know, Callahan himself said Dwayne knows he's not ready. Remember he said that? Yeah. And all of the leaks coming out about his unreadiness, about his lack of preparation, about him not knowing the playbook, et cetera, et cetera. Which, by the way, just as a quick aside, is why I think in these press conferences – Some in the media believe he comes off as a bit smug or arrogant. I think he's just distrusting. That's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a guy that is distrusting of the people in front of him because of everything that happened in September and October before he started to play, which, by the way, a lot of it came from national pundits more than local so, media so, people. So he's a victim already. No, I'm not painting well, that to that's, be a victim. Yeah. I'm just saying, if you I'm distrust give- somebody, you think they did something to you. Um. Okay. If that's if that's your de- it, yes, based on that, I think he believes that he was a victim of some bad and inaccurate media. Well, that's attention, a, and that that's makes a him familiar position for the Redskins. Quarterback. Yeah, but you know what isn't familiar? What isn't familiar is that um, he's not making continually the same mistakes over and over and over again. Because one of the things that Robert Griffin the Third did 
we were told this by multiple people, including Mike Shanahan and others after the fact, is that he continued to make the same mistakes over and over again. And the reason he did that is he wasn't coachable. Remember what we were told was Griffin's favorite answer to any kind of direction or coaching? Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. Except for the fact that he never had it. And then the next game he continued to back up instead of stepping up into the pocket. And it was the same mistakes, repetitive mistakes, over and over again. Because he didn't get it. And he thought he had all the answers, but he didn't. I love what Callahan said, first of all, about nothing phases him, because that was my first hunch about Dwayne in watching him in a Redskins uniform, is that this guy is not the kind of guy you rattle. This is not the kind of guy that's going to become less confident because of poor results. He's competitive, and he's going to feel always like he can do it. And I love that about him. And I do see a poise and a calm about him. There have been a couple of big-time throws he's made, including on Sunday. You know, that throw to Sims on third and six, the throw to to uh, Kelvin Harmon on third and six or third and eight or whatever it was, which turned into a really good throw where he held on, poised, and threw it at the last second. You know, and, and Harmon made the catch and then a great run afterwards, set up the first score, which came after the ankle injury, um, as an aside. But I... I'm rooting for Dwayne Haskins. I know people have tweeted me, like, it sounds like you're sort of rooting for him. I am, because I think that he was, I think he took the brunt of some of this media and some of these leaks, and some of it was probably unfair and inaccurate. And I think that even a guy like Bill Callahan is starting to recognize watching him play that there's more to him than they thought in September and October, and that he's not the the massive long-term project. I'm not suggesting or or, or I'm I'm not predicting, and I'm certainly not convinced that he's the long-term answer at quarterback. I don't feel that way yet. I don't. But I do think that week in and week out, we see more from him. And I watched his press conference yesterday. I've been watching him all on Wednesdays. And, you know, I think there's a little bit of an underdog element to him right now. And uh, so I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not predicting he's going to turn out to be great. I'm not. Um, there, there's some flags. I don't know how red they are. You know, Haskins and Haskins and the wrist and the overly dramatic, you know, way in which he carried his, you know, ankle around with him on Sunday. Um, but I, there's a lot to him also that I think, you know, is for me, just gut tells me that he's got a chance and also tells me that um, unless they could draft Joe Burrow, which they're not going to be able to draft him, that he's going to be the guy in 2020. And I hope that, you know, I don't think they're going to be a competitive team next year, more likely than not. It's the NFL, who knows? But next year, 16 games will tell the tale on him and that you, they can make the decision on him after 2020. But anyway, go ahead. Well, that's providing that Alex Smith isn't your quarterback he's next year. He's not going to be the quarterback. Okay. I mean, okay. it could be. I mean, I think he's going to be the GM or the assistant GM. Oh, he's got to have a voice. Yeah, I know. In, in, we've, in, we've in that Redskins already. front office, yeah. absolutely. But he still thinks he can play. So, I mean, he's he's going to push that through. Right. I just can't fathom how you are dismissing uh, the I'm not uh, the, off the field. Yes, you I'm are. I'm not. Yes, you are because no, I, didn't. I because, said there are flags. I'm not sure but, how red they are. But those flags they might be red. Those flags. Given the team he works for, yeah, are far worse. I understand. That. I mean, every <clears throat> all the issues that that I mean I have with Haskins are off the field. 
I mean, I think he's had moments where he's played well. I think it's very difficult to judge him given the lack of talent and, and the poor coaching that, that he has to deal with. So I, I, don't, I haven't seen anything on the field that tells me that he's a bust or that he's not going to eventually be a success. And he has had some terrific moments. And everything you said about him on the field is true. The off-the-field stuff, though, in an organization where that will only grow instead of being stifled is a huge problem. That, that Detroit uh, post-game press conference, I mean, I would run away from t- having a guy like that uh, on my team. That, that's, so, I mean, this is not any other franchise. This is the Redskins where, where that kind of behavior gets rewarded why by the why owner. Why can't Doug Williams get through to some of these people? I mean, Doug Williams has to know when he retweets his own pro football focus numbers that that's not, that's not a Doug Williams thing to do. No. I mean, but I, I, I wonder what kind of any, if he has any influence over anything in that organization. He's not the key decision maker when no, it comes not. to a lot of these things. If people, if you, people if he, out there didn't know that already. And maybe if he was... Maybe he would have more. Yeah, maybe they, maybe he would have more credibility if, if everybody in the locker room looked at him and said, "That's our GM." Yeah, maybe that would happen. I don't so know. So I, I I just think that your 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 wishful thinking on 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 the uh, off the field stuff and victimizing him as 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 somehow you know what, being Tommy, treated unfairly. Uh, v- v- you can you can say that based on you know pure definition that because I said he's distrusting of people that the, he he views himself as a victim. That's fine, but it's really not the way I feel. I don't think he's he's playing the victim role. I just think that he got burned a little bit here, you know, in his rookie season because of the organization that he's in. Because there was shit that was leaked and people were making a big deal a out of it. He's not even night, playing. He was a victim the <laughs> night he was drafted when he said the league done messed up. He already I know. played the victim That's card a, right from the first uh, night. And charging 50 bucks a head for people to come in and share draft night with him when he claimed that he just wanted to be with his family, which is why he wasn't in New York. Or I'm not New York. Where was the draft this year? Nashville? Nashville. Um yeah, I, I get all of that. I'm not. I'm not naive to the, to 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 those things potentially being things that we'll look back on and say, of course, of course, it didn't work out. Um, and you know, and a lot of those things could we could look at back at him at some point and say he was immature. Look at how mature he is now, and look at what kind of player he's developed yeah, but, into. That's possible but pe- too. People don't mature in this organization. I do. I do think because I've heard this that he is a good kid that he's not totally self-absorbed like RG3 was, and that he's coachable, which is what Callahan essentially was telling you right there, is that he's coachable. And we heard with Griffin, once Kirk Cousins played and didn't run the read option in Cleveland, that he was not coachable. He had everything. He had all the answers. And you just had to ask him to get him. And that you know, and yet he kept making the same mistakes over and over. And what happened when he made those mistakes? He threw his teammates under the bus for him. So, um, as as an aside, we're not going to see him tonight. I don't think. I think Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I know. I, I'm not. I'm not crazy about that. I think they, the Ravens could beat the Jets without Lamar Jackson. And I, I would do everything I could to protect that kid's legs. Yeah. Quick word about stamps.com. Why are you going to the post office anymore, especially if you're a small business and you've got 
uh, tons of things that you're shipping out every day, whether it's invoices or product or you're a warehouse sending out thousands of packages a day. Stamps.com handles it all with ease. It helps you save time and money, especially during the holiday time. Uh, You simply use your computer. You can print official U.S. postage 24 hours a day, seven days a week for any letter, any package, any class of mail, anywhere you want to send it. Once your mail is ready, just hand it to your mail carrier or drop it off in a mailbox. It's that simple. You get five cents off every first class stamp and 40% off priority mail. Significant savings, especially for a small business with lots of mail. It's no wonder that over 700,000 small businesses already are using stamps.com. Right now, don't spend a minute of your holiday season at the post office. Sign up for Stamps.com instead. There's no risk. With my promo code, KevinDC, you get a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts required. Just go to Stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and type in my promo code, KevinDC. That's Stamps.com. Enter KevinDC. Stamps.com. You never have to go to the post office again. Um... Kawhi Leonard last night was welcomed back with open arms by Toronto in such a crazy, unique way. Like, I think about Kevin Durant. Remember the first time he went back to OKC and the treatment he got? Of course, he wasn't a champion either going back to OKC, and he wasn't the MVP. But I just thought it was really cool. Toronto's clearly a great sports town, um, and they won a championship last year in the NBA Finals. They they won the NBA Finals, and Kawhi Leonard was the MVP. And he left, and they they cared, but they weren't about to turn their back on him. And uh, and he went back, and there were MVP chants, and they gave him his championship ring, and then he went out with the Clippers and destroyed them. I think uh, last Toronto night. fans knew the minute Kawhi Leonard got there that he wasn't long to I know. be there. I know. I mean, I think I think they realized that we had a moment where we accidentally got a, got the best player in the league for a season, and and you know it, it, it's 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 a moment that they've never enjoyed in the history of their franchise. And I think a smart fan would say we were lucky to have that. I mean, because most 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 players are not going to decide to go play in Toronto. Nothing to do wrong with Toronto. It's one of my favorite cities. But, you know, I mean, the whole Canadian tax thing, it, it, there's a <laughs> lot of issues. That, that, so that do you think go. Anthony Rendon will be received in the same way? Uh, do the Angels, do the Nets? I, they, I they, don't, look they play the Angels in, in California this year. Only out there. Yeah. Okay, so he's not going to be back this year. Maybe no. maybe in 2021. Yeah, maybe in a World Series. Maybe in year. a World Series. Yeah. Mike Trout, Anthony Rendon leading the Angels <laughs> against uh, against the, the Nets. I think he would be welcome back because it's sort of the same thing. Yes. I mean, he was such a special player and. I don't think people will harbor ill will towards Anthony Rendon. No, I mean, look, the, people weren't particularly passionate about Anthony Rendon one way or the other. Well, they were after October. Yeah, after <laughs> October they were. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to mention one other thing, and I know it's NBA-related, but it's really not, it, although it is, I guess. Um, but you're just going to roll your eyes. Dwight Howard played plays for the Lakers this year. Did you know that? He's yeah, playing I know for the that. Lakers this I know year. that. And they went back to Orlando last night, and you know there was a skirmish and whole thing. But did you know how well he's playing for the Lakers yes, this I year? Yes, I do. And let me just point out what? one thing, what? Kevin. 
What? It's December. I understand that. I'm let's, just saying. Let's I, see. For people let's that thought see. his career was completely over, you know, here where he never basically played, he's gone to L.A. and he's on the Lakers and he's playing, you know, basically 15 to 20 minutes a night and averaging, you know, like 7.7 rebounds and a, you know, a block in each game each night. Like he's actually playing at a, at a really good level, you know, as a bench player. You know, on a really good team, obviously. But I just, it's crazy. Like, he was here, couldn't even stay healthy. Now he's in L.A. and he's playing great. Again, give him time. We got Davis Bertans. We could get a first-round pick for him. God, he's spectacular to watch. Um, I guess we've got to mention this story that's become, as we were doing this podcast, the number one trending story in sports uh, on ESPN.com. It includes Clinton Portis, and I'll read the story to you. Um, Clinton Portis, Joe Horn, among ex-NFL players accused of defrauding league's health program. Uh, From ESPN, 10 former NFL players, including ex-Washington Redskins running back Clinton Portis, have been charged with defrauding the league's health program of millions of dollars. The players are among a group of 12 facing charges in the Eastern District of Kentucky, the Department of Justice announced today. They are accused of filing more than $3.9 million in fraudulent claims, of which more than $3.4 million were paid from June 2017 to December 2018. Along with the charges that, that, that were announced, the Department of Justice said it will seek charges against two others, including former New Orleans Saints wide receiver Joe Horn. Um, this from the Department of Justice. Um, Ten former NFL players allegedly committed a brazen multi-million dollar fraud on a health uh, care plan meant to help their former teammates and other retired players pay legitimate out-of-pocket medical expenses. Today's indictments underscore that whoever you are, if you loot health care programs to line your own pockets, you will be held accountable by the Department of Justice. Uh, the other 10 players or the other players involved, Robert McCune, John Eubanks, Tamaric Vanover, I remember him from Florida State, Carlos Rogers, uh, Siandris Brown, James Butler, Fred Bennett, Carell Buckholter, Halter, and Ettrick Pruitt. Uh, the government also intends to charge Donald Rache Caldwell. He was a Redskin, remember, for uh, a brief moment back in 2005, I think. 2007. Remember, um, he was, uh, Shea Caldwell was a receiver with the Patriots, and then he came to the, to the Redskins. Uh, Portis was reached by John Kime at ESPN, and he said, I don't have any comment on that, closed quote. Clinton's in trouble, buddy. This is trouble. And this is the Justice Department, and they like making examples of high-profile people, whether it's, whether it's musicians, actors, or athletes. Yeah. I mean, because if you because what what happens here, if you can go after a high profile uh, figure, who most people would think would be immune or protected from from such stuff, then everybody then then law enforcement believes everybody else will fall in line. I mean, people might be think twice about committing fraud when they turn around and see. You know, when, they, when when major you know names yes. are made examples of, um, yes, it happens. I you know I like Clinton a lot. You know he is one of those players, Tommy. You know over the years, 
you know, after their career because he's been in the media. A lot of us that may have had conversations with him or interviewed him when he was a player and didn't really know and knew him from afar as, you know, Southeast Jerome and Sheriff Gonna Get You and all of the other things. Um, he is, uh, I, I mean, I can only speak from my personal experience because I've done a lot of stuff with Clinton. We've done that Showtime show on, on NBC4 for uh, several years now. I've had him obviously on the radio show and on the podcast so many times. Um, and I just consider him to be um, very kind hearted and uh, to have a, a great sense of humor. Um, so I hope these charges aren't true um, when it comes to him. But. Uh, it certainly seems pretty serious. Yes. That's for sure. Um, that's it for the day. Uh, I was going to mention just the Antonio Brown stuff. Did you see him go off on Twitter yesterday? Yeah. I mean, he's clearly got issues. Somebody's got to get him help. It's going to end very tragically. That's Dwayne Haskins' uh, new wide receiver. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's true. A, B to D, C. Yep, A, B to D, C. Also Absolutely. posted on Odell Beckham's uh, Instagram yesterday. Wait. Yeah. What What was go- going on with that? Uh you know, uh, Odell just kind of posted one of the generic, you know, I, I think it was something like you can't uh, can't appreciate sunshine until you went through the rain or something along those lines. And God, he's in a shitty organization. <laughs> I mean, he wanted so, he, all those people like, well, Landon Collins and OBJ, Dave Gettleman, the Giants, this place is a mess. And yes. they ended up in Cleveland and I Washington, <laughs> the two of them. Uh, let's make sure that in this discussion of social media and Antonio Brown that we don't hashtag something that we don't understand. Let's let's make sure we don't okay. do that today. Okay, we'll do that. <laughs> um, that's it. We're done. Uh, I don't think I have anything else. Do you? I think Pick that's the Redskins it, but... game since you're not going to be with me tomorrow. Oh, the Redskins win. They beat the Eagles? They, they beat the Eagles, baby. This is the first of three in a row for, for the Redskins. Redskins win. Uh, this one, twenty-four to twenty-one, on a field goal. Can you can you hear what Tommy is is really rooting for now? He's rooting for wins and Bruce Allen and Bill Callahan, and they all come back. He would love to I, see it. I think I think they've earned it. Uh, Aaron and win. I have no college hoops games to give out tonight because uh, there aren't many games tonight. Um, kind of like Iowa State. But... Uh, I don't. I, I looked. At, uh, in fact, I think I, I would have liked that a little bit the other way, Iowa. But I'm not playing that game. Um, I don't like the NFL game one way or the other tonight. That line's climbed to 16 and a half. Um, I don't like the Ravens. I don't like the Jets. I don't like the total in the game. So no smell test pick uh, on the game tonight. Do you like it one way or the other, Aaron? You going to play it? No. I don't think I'm going. I'm not, if it gets to 17, I might take a flyer on the Jets. They <laughs> they can move the football a little bit, as as you know from when they played the Redskins. Yes, you <laughs> they know, moved with, the football with, pretty good with Darnold. They can move it. They moved uh, it against, against the, Dol- the Redskins. They moved it against those Dolphins last week. I might want to uh, just mention that uh, people can hear me on 106.7 The Fan Saturday morning uh, from nine to noon and uh, read me in the Washington Times, Washington Times. Dot com. And I'll be at the Redskins game Sunday. Enjoy it, brother. Um, you'll be one of the only people. Actually, you know, there are going to be some Eagle fans there. Yeah, not like last year. No. And not like last year because the Eagle fans right now are looking at a team that they don't believe in no. at all. Last year, remember, they were the defending Super Bowl champions. Yeah, but they may come just to harass Redskins fans. Yeah. The, the, the three that show up. Exactly. Uh, have a great day.